Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk, and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to Late Lunch at the start of a brand new decade. Hope you had a lovely holiday. I have to say I had myself a real relaxing time spent with family and friends and so enjoyable. The only thing was... It's flown round. When we left here on the 23rd, I thought, oh, look at the break we have. And here we are back at the start of a brand new year, 2020. Can you believe it? Anyway, to let you know what's coming up on the show today, I have a story to tell you after three. You may remember back in October, I did a CPR refresher here in the studio. The guys came in and uh, we Facebooked it live and we spoke about it. On the 23rd of December, when we broke from this show, within an hour or two of leaving here, I had to do CPR on a young man. And I'm going to tell you the story about it here on the show after three o'clock today. Amazing, really amazing. I never thought I'd be thrown into the situation so soon after the refresher. Also on today's show, we're going to look back and look forward in the company of three very wise men. Paul Murphy, Jean McKenna and John Cairns are with us on the show after two o'clock. But my first guest of the new decade is an inspirational woman who we've met previously on Late Lunch. She's an author, speaker, broadcaster, mother, wife and all-round good person, Liz Velour. Happy New Year. Welcome back. Oh, Happy New Year, Jerry. I'm delighted to be back because I love this show and I love coming on it. And it's always nice to... Because it's like a conversation. It's There's no pressure, there's no nothing. You can just be as you are. You don't have to be any different, do you? Thank you so much. That's yeah. that's they're yeah. lovely words. I thank yeah. you for them at the start of the new year. Now I want to begin by reading a little verse. You see, I, I'll fill you in on this, Liz. Um, a lady called Geraldine McCullough sent me in this lovely calendar that she gets every year from the Divine Word Missionaries in Roscommon, and she told me the story about it. We were talking to her before Christmas. She sends them to many people. She sent me one this year, and I promised her that at the start of each month in 2020, I'd read the little verse. Is that okay? Absolutely. And you have a copy of it there yeah. in front of you as well. So. So let me read it for the listeners. This is how it goes. Go build of your worries a strong box. Have every part strengthened with care. When as strong as your efforts can make it, enclose all your troubles right there. Store it all thoughts of failure. Store in it all thoughts of failure. And each bitter cup that you quaff, lock all your heartache within it. Then sit on the lid and laugh. Yeah. Brilliant. I like it. Do you like I that? Do. I really like it. Well, you because know, that's exactly, you know, sometimes we have all these worries and things and stuff. And, you know, you don't have a solution for them. And yet they're bringing you down, bringing you down. And when you do put them aside and detach from them and put them someplace else, it's interesting how another way, another way of solving it will come in always. But when you're constantly nibbling at it, there's no space. 
there's no space for that solution to come in. So that's why I love that. You know, when you, she mentions the words in there, in, in that verse, or the person who, yeah. author unknown is actually on the bottom of it, you know, you see words like troubles, uh, thoughts of failure, bitter cup, heartache, worries, yeah. all there. There are so many people weighed down with all that type of well, stuff. Well, you see, the sense of failure many times has nothing really to do with you. The sense of failure is that maybe a projection that you should be somebody else. Right now, if you listen to all the, let's say, inspirational people who speak about maybe doing well, they'll always say to you, you find out what's in your heart. You find out what's high priority to you. And it's there is your gold. Right. So you could be trying to make maybe a child of yours be something that child is not because society says this is what's going to bring him success. But you'll never be successful in something that's not your thing. I mean, you know, if you were to ask me to sort out your technology here, I mean, you may kiss goodbye to it. But if you ask me to sit in front of the microphone and chat to you, like I'll do that all right. (laughs) But there's no point in asking me to do something. So we, many of us have a huge sense of failure for things that aren't even ours in the first place. Madness really, isn't it? It is when you it when is. you think of it, and and that's the way you should think of it yeah. if you're listening to us today. You know, it's within, you're saying it's within all of us. Yeah, yeah. it's there. We it's have the, it. It's already there. That whatever it is we're meant to be doing, whatever it is, is our gift. Came in with us the day we were born. The only reason we mightn't be in line with it is that within our upbringing, within our society, within our schools or whatever, they told you no, that gift that you have is not good enough. That whatever it is that you have, because they mightn't be familiar with it. They don't know about it. And yet, if you look at the kids coming through now, there are people that are there to say, no, come on, we have a look and see where are your strengths. Look, at, I understand that you were never meant to be a musician or whatever, but this area here, this is your strength. You know, I saw it happen with my own youngest daughter when she went in to do science in Trinity. And yeah, she had the brain to do it. She had everything to do it. She could pass the exams in it. It wasn't her thing. We changed. I changed her to DCU to do. She did um, media, photography, all that. And she's a freelance photographer out in Toronto now. But if I had insisted she do science because the government is telling you every kid in the country should be doing science. Where would she be now? She'd probably be depressed and anxious and all the other things, trying to succeed at something that's not her thing. But you'll never fully succeed at something that's not your thing. Good life lesson there to take on board at the start of of a new year. Do you make resolutions yourself or do you look at yourself consciously at the start of each new year? I always love a new beginning. I mean, and I suppose New Year in a way. I suppose as a teacher, you had two new beginnings. One was always September where you started out with a fresh leaf with whatever and you do whatever. And the other then is January. But January to me is great because once the 21st of December is hit, I feel the days are getting longer. Well, can I stop you there? Because yeah. I, I, I did a little bit of research. I'm delighted now. I'm chuffed. You didn't know this. I checked it out. Sunset on the 21st of December, right? Was at what time would you think? I'll tell you what it was. It's It was four. Seven four zero seven. Okay, okay. Four, seven minutes past four mm-hmm. today on the second of January. You are one hundred percent right. It's four seventeen. Yes, we put I on know. ten minutes. minutes. I know, and I love it. Now, and folks, I, yeah, think about yeah, that. Yeah, I absolutely love it because I feel with every day that goes by, it's more light. 
Okay. So the other aspect, whereas before I used to make these resolutions about going to the gym and doing things or whatever it be. And of course, needless to say, the, the goal was too big. So now I'll bring it down into smaller little chunks and I'll say, okay, for the next month, this is a little bit of a plan and plan out what I would like to do. And I always go by feeling. So if I'm doing something and after that month, I'm not feeling all that great after it. Like, I have no problem now saying it's not a sense of failure that I didn't do it. It just wasn't my thing. Right. So then I find the one that is. Now, when I go for that walk with the dogs or I go up the hills with the dogs and if I could be sitting on the chair with a cup of coffee before it and feel, oh, I don't really want to do this. And then out you go. But the feeling on the way back is so good. And I go by that. What makes me feel good? And I'll follow that one, you know, because what makes me feel good may not be what makes you feel good. Yes. So you find the thing that gives you that feeling because that's the one then that, you know, raises how you feel about yourself, raises, uh, you know, your mental health, your physical health. And you say, look, I'll go with this. So it's good to explore as well new things. Oh, absolutely. And as you say, if it's not, just drop it. Listen, yeah. good luck. You Something see, else. It has to be, Jerry, because the thing has to be in line with you. What makes you happy? What makes you feel good about yourself? What makes you... And like if you're a parent and you say, oh, I have so many things to do and I have the kids of this and that and the other. There is nothing a child likes better than a happy parent. There is nothing that a child likes better than a parent that can stop and have a bit of fun with them. You know, and it's a, it's a, they do, they want that because if they see you having fun in your life, if they see you enjoying your life, then it makes the growing up for them better. Because if you're constantly working and constantly feeling the burden of it all, they're thinking in their little heads, that's what it's like being an adult. There's no magic in that. The magic is gone. So the person who worries for everybody else yeah. uh, sees the glass half empty yeah, all the yeah, time, yeah. you know, is burdened and burdens themselves. Yeah. That, in a way, reflects or uh, goes back to those in your closest circle yeah. and has an impact, you're Absolutely. saying. Absolutely, yeah, it does. So how how do you... What do you say to somebody who, who feels burdened listen, listening to us today, who have... Genuine worries, yeah. maybe, yeah. or worries for other people yeah. and, and who can't lift themselves. Yeah. What's your advice to them? No, most of the worries, the burdens that I would have had in the past that I'd have worried, I'd have been worried about, the ki- definitely about the kids. What are they going to do? Whatever. Right. Then I realised one day it was such an enlightening moment is that so long as they don't have the skills to deal with life, these children could grow up anxious, depressed and all the rest. But I was thinking that if I lifted their burden by doing for them, I had this notion in the head that was going to make their lives easier. And I discovered, no, it's not. Because if I can teach them how to do something, that gives them a skill to be able to deal with life. So the more I I realised that emotionally, I was way back there stuck. Because in when you and me were growing up, Jerry, nobody thought of emotional maturity. They thought of physical maturity, intellectual maturity, but never emotional, right? So we didn't know how to deal with emotions. We didn't know how to deal with fear. We didn't know how to deal with grief, sadness, stuff. We didn't. We bottled it all up and went in. But when we bottled it up and went in, our next thing was to make sure our kids didn't suffer it. So we were going to do everything for them. 
But I learned one thing. I had to learn how to deal with mine. And the more I learned how to deal with mine, the more they learned how to deal with theirs through me. It worked the other way around. And the more I did that, I'm now listening to my adult kids and I was with my daughter in Toronto there just after Christmas. And do you know what, Jerry? I sat back in wonder and looked at what she was up to and what she was doing. And I didn't have to put in my tuppence worth once in that five days. Not once. And I saw how she dealt with certain challenges, how she dealt with various things. And I was in awe of where she is now because she then had the skills to deal with these situations that were coming her way, you know. Can and I ask you something? amazed me. Yeah, but isn't that a fantastic tribute to you and, and, and what you, the enlightenment that came to you? Oh, yeah. You know, I, those the other years me, ago. The other me wanted to cocoon them, but, but cocoon them, Jerry, was killing them. Yeah. They couldn't deal with these challenges. You see, when I cocooned them and when I, when I didn't have the skills, I couldn't teach them. Do you know, Jerry? do you know one thing that fascinates me? There's an anti-bullying policy in every school in the country. But there's no good child policy. And the good child is the one that we tell you're such a good kid, you're great, oh my God. And you praise the personality of the child. But when you praise the personality of the child, that child is afraid of offending you, offending anybody, offending whatever. And they have no skills to deal with bullies. But when you train a child how to say no, how to tell you how to feel, what it is they need, what it is they want, but a very good child that's been trained to be an approval seeker will not be able to do that and will not be able to deal with bullies. And yet we have anti-bullying policies, but we don't have a good child policy because the good child is recognised as the one that doesn't give you pain, doesn't give you sorrow. They'll sit down there, they'll do what they're told, they'll do the lessons they're told, they'll do all these things. They're mammy's favourite, they're everything. Oh, <laughs> mother of God. But when I began to train yes. my daughter, right, not to be such a good child, there was another part of me saying, oh my God, I wish you'd go back to be the one that just said. <laughs> but you have to learn Absolutely. To, to survive. And again, it's an important point for people and how Mm. you can uh, cultivate and develop a child that they are resilient and they can make their own way in the world and they can stay up and they won't carry the worries of the world with them. I want to take a short break. Liz Velour is with us on Late Lunch, talking a lot of sense at the beginning of 2020. If you'd like to get in touch with us on the show, don't forget the usual numbers, 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in or you can WhatsApp or text us on 086-1800-658. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to smile with the best deals on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. At the Home Store and More January Sale. All natural duvets and pillows half price. All 100% cotton printed duvet covers half price. All fireside accessories half price. All prestige kitchen and cookware half price. All lamps half price. All fitness equipment half price. And that's just the start. There are plenty of other great offers at the Home Store and More January Sale. All offers available online or in-store at Home Store and More. Drogheda Retail Park, Dundalk Retail Park and Navin Retail Park. Home Store and More. Believe what we say. There's even better savings at the Home Store and More January Sale. Paterborn here from Paterborn Man Shop Trim. Talking quality menswear brands for the man in your life. Paddle Burn Man Shop Trim. Winter sale now on. 
Mackle Hennies for Men Outboy Winter Sale now on. Up to 50% off in all departments. Stocking Brands, Brule, Benetti, McGee, Scopes, Roy Robson, Bugatti. Side and sticker, Meyer. Suits starting from €99. Euro. Late night opening Friday till 9pm. Follow on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing all our customers a happy new year. Shoe City Super Sale is in full swing. Thousands and thousands of pairs must go at the Shoe City Castle Blaney Super Winter Sale. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Liz Velour is with me on Late Lunch and she brought me a copy of her book, Taking Flight, The Caged Bird, One Woman's Story of a Life of Awakening. Would you like a copy of this book? Would you Would you like a copy of this book? Because it is a fantastic book. I spoke to Liz in the past about that, and, and, and about the book, and I have to say I still have a copy upstairs. It's one I haven't given away. But if you'd like a copy of this book at the start of a new year, you can get in touch with us. Now, Liz is... Um, a local, Archie, you are a local yeah, here. Yeah. You're in LMFM. From what local county does Liz Velour hail? So you have a choice. Is she from Louth or Mead? Take your pick. People will know, I know. Send in the answer. Louth or Mead now to 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us with your name or details. This book will set you on the right path, I promise you, at the beginning of the new year. Let's come back to this uh, conundrum between glass half empty, glass half full. Yeah. And I'd always say, I'm definitely... <laughs> my glass is generally full all the time but maybe it's a problem in itself I'd have to say Liz that you know I try to be as positive as I can look on the bright side of things but yet on the other hand there are people who just aren't like that can you turn a half empty person into a half full? No they have to do, want it for themselves so if they've got used to doing this and they've got used to this pattern and this is how they've done it they have to see like I remember years ago trying to change somebody that was like that and think like Tony DeMello had a thing and he said, don't try to teach a pig to sing. You frustrate yourself and annoy the pig. So in a way, um, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and I always think of it and I just say to myself, you know, you can't. They've got to want to do it. They've got to want to see that there's a reason. And maybe as they get older or whatever and their kids might turn around and say, look, we've listened to this for so long, but we were absolutely imprisoned by your worries. We've got to branch out and go. Of course, needless to say, even as you go to a plane, oh my God, I hope it doesn't crash. Oh my God, I hope it doesn't do this. Oh my God, I where is she now? I didn't hear from her now for about two minutes or two hours. And so it goes on and goes on and goes on. And it drains the living daylights out of you because it's not serving any purpose. I mean, it's not serving any purpose. But my mother would always say to me is that, but if I if I worry, it may never happen. And if I don't worry, it's probably the first time this is going to happen. And it would always, oh, sacred heart to Jesus, oh, sacred heart to Jesus, oh, sacred heart to Jesus. And so it would go on, you know what I mean? But that actually, you, I would have said to myself, I don't worry. Hang on a minute. That was the biggest lie ever. I internalised every last bit of it and tried my best to hide it. But until one day I said to myself, is this serving any purpose? And one day I had to stop to let go and to trust that my kids were going to be all right and to trust that they would make the right decisions. And for me then to begin to make new decisions for my own life and then interesting enough, they were following, they were looking at. You know, so... Do I begin something 
on New Year's. Yeah, but do you know I'm doing it differently, Jerry. I tell you where I'm doing it. I'm doing it out of love for me, not because I don't like myself. And most people will go to the gym because they don't like their body or they don't like something. And I'm saying, hang on a minute, I wouldn't put dirty diesel in a car. Well, why would I do something like that to my body? And I want to see this. Somebody asked me, what age you? And I said, 68 and three quarters. So I'm getting on there. So I want to make sure that I'm as active, as healthy as anything. So my New Year's resolution is about how do I support me? How am I going to be a happier person? How am I going to be a healthier person? That's what I'm about. Is it important to set, uh, not goals yourself, but to have things to look forward to in the year yeah, ahead? Yeah, it is, yeah. Because if I set them out there, I wrote down in an envelope all the things I'd like to do, let's say, for 2019. I forgot all about it and then I found the envelope. I couldn't believe how many of them had actually come true. Because in some way or other, the mind put out there what you would like to do. And when you put out there what you would like to do, it's almost like like a homing pigeon. You'll find it, you know. So, yeah, I did, you know. And like to me, who used to fear flying and I'd be terrified and wouldn't want to go. Like I said to myself, but Michal and Murhartig said to me, do they make you travel? I said, they do, Michal. They do. And, you know, either I get onto that plane or I mightn't see them. But onto it you go and you break through more fear. And all it is, it's only a boundary. And when you break through that fear, you feel so good about yourself that you actually did that. That's another fear I broke through because fear is something you're afraid of. So what are you afraid of? I'd find out. And once I find that out, away I go and gone now. And of course, you told us before in your own life, you had four children, you were married and you just felt, no, this isn't me. This is not what I truly am or I yeah. can't be who I no. am and, and and you went. And it was even more than that. I saw the children being closed in. I saw the children not able to be themselves. They were meant to be something else but now they're all doing very different things in line with who they are. Not in line with what somebody else thinks they should be so that it looks good so that I look good. Like I didn't, I no longer I used to actually think because I was at home with the kids then they should be out there succeeding in order to make it look like I had done a good job or was worth my while staying at home so they could succeed. But what if they don't succeed in the things that you think? Are you a failure? And it was a, I saw that it had more to do with what I wanted than what was right for them. Can I throw a word at you before we finish? Yeah. Contentment. Is that the key to life, really? Oh, or being my, happy yeah, in life? Yeah, it is, big time. You see, you can be totally content where you are. You can be absolutely out and out. You can be sitting above on the hill of Tara watching the sun go down as content as you like. And it's absolutely gorgeous. But like happiness and like all the various things, they're transient. You could be happy one minute and then it's gone, whatever. But you know it's on its way back. It's like the clouds in the sky, Jerry. You see, the dark days come. But if you're prepared to sit tight and say, hang on a minute, this too will pass. And I think this too will pass has probably been the best thing. Or another thing, and it's a quick one. My daughter didn't want to come with me to Japan to visit my other daughter because she was terrified of flying. And we were sitting there at the airport and I said, jeepers, will I even get her on the plane? And I said to her, can you tell me one thing? Are you able to deal with the minute you're in? And she said, yes. Right. Every minute we're on that plane is the minute you're in. 
And if you can deal with the minute you're in, you will. You'll deal with anything that comes your way. Now, she said she has used that. Now, you're going back. She was 15 then, so she's 31 now. She said she has used that as an anchor for her right throughout from that day. If you can deal with the minute you're in, that's the only one. Talk about dealing with the miniature in. Since you were with us last, yeah. you are now presenting your own show, Conscious Living on Dublin City FM every Friday. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, and, and I can see why you yeah. do and yeah. why you'll be fantastic at it yeah. because we could swap seats here, absolutely no bother. Yeah. Let me remind you, this book is available still, isn't it? it? Is, Taking yeah. flight, the cage board. At the board. moment it's in Tara and I have to go back down to Michael McGuire and give him <laughs> some more. And, you know, if they contact me at lizvalour at gmail.com, I can get a yeah. copy. Now, to there's them. a clue. Hill at Tara. Which county in the northeast is this woman from? Mead or Louds? Send us in the a correct answer to 086 658 by WhatsApp or text and we'll pick somebody for this book. I promise you, you'll love this book and derive much benefit from it. I think Louise Walsh must have slipped you a tenor to mention the Hill of Tara, did she? My <laughs> producer. <laughs> I can't believe she got it in the first day of the new year. <laughs> oh, she gave you 20. She's indicating she gave you 20 you gave her. All right, I see. Anyway, Liz, it's been a pleasure. Oh, Thank I you so it. much Thank for you. joining me on the show and we'll see you again, please, God. Thanks a million. Thanks Very a million. Lovely. Thank you. Yes, the three wise men. I think they arrive in the crib round about the 6th, 7th of January, but we're preempting it here on Late Lunch because we have three very wise men with us. They've been with us in the past at the start of a new year, and I'm delighted to welcome them back. John Kearns is here. He's editor-in-chief with the Irish Daily Mirror. Jean McKenna is back with us, former Irish independent political editor, and Fianna Fáil chief press officer. And the wonderful Paul Murphy, Mead Chronicle journalist at the moment and former editor of the Drogheda Independent. Gentlemen, you're all so welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me and Happy New Year to you all. Happy New Year to you, Jerry. (coughs) Can I throw the ball in by saying to you, at the start of 2020, my God, did I ever think I'd see this year myself, um, Ireland, what a place to live. Relatively peaceful, nearly 100% work, working at the moment. The, the jobs are there. A good place to live. Education, good. State support for the less fortunate. Freedom of speech. A democracy. John Kearns, we live in the best place on this planet. Absolutely. Have you only realised that now? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, oh. What do you say to that? Like, in general, I say, I say in theory, yeah, compared to many, many places around the world, Ireland is a good place to live. And I think under new stats that was released recently, I think it was by the UN, I think Ireland was rated as either the third or the fourth best place on the planet to live for, for economic reasons, from in terms of peace, prosperity and all the rest of it, you know. But that doesn't mean we have it right. And that doesn't mean that there's a lot of things to be done. And I think there's, uh, you know, I, I'd give us, a, as a country at the moment, I'd give us about six out of ten, but a lot of work to do. You and, know? And, and, and you say work to be done. What are the big areas in your book where, where we're falling down and we need to address? Well, I mean, it's very simple. You know, was it Boris Johnson said, uh, what was it, you know, get Brexit done. This, has got, this election we're going to have now shortly in the next few months or few weeks is going to be about get housing done. To put it in a nutshell, this next election is going to be all about housing, homelessness is the issue, and the health service and the state of it, you know. And you just have to look at some of the stats that was out yesterday about but the number of people, are, you know, the amount of people that had to spend time in trolleys and hospitals this year was up by 9%. I think there was 118,000 people in the past year spent time in trolleys and hospitals. That's unacceptable for the amount of money we're investing in the health service. But getting back to housing is the issue. People are paying a fortune in rents. 
You know, it'd be cheaper for them to get a mortgage and buy their own property. They can't get a mortgage. Then we stopped building council houses, right? And and that was a decision was taken by Fianna Fáil. Uh, Gene might have been there at the time. I don't know whether he was not. But, I mean, it was taken by Fianna Fáil in the mid-20s or whatever. In the, sorry. In, uh, did the, no, 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 no. Sure. But, I mean, going back, going back. It was, taken, it was taken by Fianna Fáil. I can't remember when exactly it was. They decided to build council houses. And so we lost all our housing departments in, 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 in every council, uh, you know, borough council, whatever, corporation across the country. And we've never fully recovered from that. And this whole, the whole social housing policy, policy of this Fine Gael government over the past two years, two, sorry, two, over the past two terms, over the last eight to ten years, has been an absolute and utter failure. But they'll say to you, and I'm going to bring Jean in here, that they are building and that it takes time to catch up and that is happening and will deliver the Hang houses. Hang on a second. This was an emergency eight years ago and it's got worse. So they failed, you know. And this is nothing against Owen Murphy, who's a very nice fella, but he's just an incompetent housing minister. The policy is all wrong. Right, we need to go back. You look at Drogheda. Ham Street was a council where council houses. France, you know, go through the streets. You know, we built streets. Bohor Brewer, right? They were all counts. Francis Street, you know, there's loads of them. They were, you know, Pierce Park, Yalabala. You know, so anybody in Ireland could get a house. Doesn't matter what income you're on. If you're on low income, you couldn't afford to get a private house to get a mortgage. You got a council house, right? And, and if you could afford to get your own mortgage, you were able to buy a private house. That's all stopped now. And people who are paying huge rents who could afford a mortgage can't get a mortgage because they need twelve percent and they can't come up with the twenty okay. grand or whatever. So you're saying housing is the big issue. Is and of course, you, I know you mentioned Toronto, but you've the same in Dundalk, the same in Navin, the same in Kells areas that were built by the councils yeah. as well. Yeah. Jean, I, I do want to clarify that, and I know you got in it. You weren't round in the 1920s. No, 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 sorry, a bit, <laughs> bit later than that, you know. But, uh, You're looking very young for a Jean. <laughs> there's a lot in what John says, but there's an awful lot of stuff as well around that um, Ireland is a great country in a lot of ways. If you have a job, and if you have a house, you're flying. Mm-hmm. And if you have a bite to eat, which an awful if you look at Father Kevin Crowley's place in Bow Lane over Christmas and the number of people who are queuing for their Christmas dinner and their breakfast and all the rest and the number of kids involved I mean John was saying about the housing, housing figures there I think the homeless figure at the moment is about 10,500 and I think about 3,500 or more of those are children Yes. and a lot of these kids spent Christmas in hotels and places like that and Santa Claus had to come to the hotels and find out where they were staying so as I say if you have a job if you have a nice house you're fine a lot of people have nice houses, nice cars and all the rest. But if you're down, there's not a lot for you there. There's still a long way to go. And just think back on the budget, the last budget. And you know, some people will laugh at this when I say it. They didn't give the elderly and the social welfare recipients the legendary fiver. They didn't give it. Now, I think that was a psychological and tactical mistake on the government's part. Leo Varadkar saying now that if he gets back into government he will increase the, the old age pension and he will bring down taxes now live horse and he'll get grass this was the year he should have done sorry last year now was the year he should have done it I mean there was a man on radio recently an elderly man and he was talking after the budget and he says it's only a fiver to them he says these guys are earning 94, 95,000 a year these TDs and another 50,000 in expenses or whatever a fiver is nothing to them but to me it's my lunch and it's two hundred and fifty euro, two hundred and sixty euro a year as well. It's a lot of money. Exactly. Paul Murphy, just on health for a moment, <coughs> while I come to you. Um, the health service. No government has been able to grasp this nettle ever. No. Is it impossible? I don't think it's. I don't think it's impossible. Um, you go to places like uh, Spain, for instance, 
where, you know, they have a system of, they have the general hospitals and the acute hospitals and all that, but they also have these these clinics where people can, can walk in and be treated without, you know, without jamming up the emergency departments. This is, the, this is part of the problem here. We still have the same problem of the emergency departments being jammed up, people on trolleys. I mean, it's, 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 it is intolerable in this day and age, especially with older people who have to lie on trolleys in, a, in an emergency yes. department for hours on end, very elderly people, and having to put up with all the noise and the upset and the disruption and that comes with it. And that's, that's, and that's only during the week. What about the weekends when everybody comes in half drunk into the place mm. and, and uh, assaulting people and uh, upsetting them and all that kind so of stuff? So what's the solution? Are you saying more... Mm. In a primary, healthcare, health, primary healthcare is something that mm. is being developed, but, but what's the answer? Well, we'd like to see... We have to see how this new um, uh, chief executive of the HSE mm. does. Uh, I, think there's, I think there's a shake-up Jew. Paul Reed, yes. Yeah, I have some experience, by the way, it's only one aspect of the thing, but I, I have experience with voluntary organisations and the relationship between, between the voluntary organisations and the HSE, which uh, at times is not very good. Uh, in other words, um, the HSE dictates to them and talks down to them, uh, very intimidatory at times. Um, and we had an independent report lately which said, identified all, all of that problem and they need to shake themselves up. This guy, I think, is, and he has the backing of the government and I think he's going to have a shake-up. Mm. We're going to see it coming. Ireland, a great place to live, warts and all, the warts to be attended to. Oh, it's a great... It is, you see, I mean, anybody who, anybody who lived as we did uh, through the Troubles I mean, every second day we had... I mean, take the state papers. I'm not going in there now, but in state papers of 1989, uh, we, we saw the atrocities that were taking place, you know. Yes, day and day out. Awful things happening day in, day out. Innocent, and, and an awful lot of innocent people who, who are neither on one side nor the other uh, been, been murdered and, and uh, mm. been done away with and all this kind of stuff. So we, we, we have, we have, we have, we've had peace for, I mean, I've been in Belfast very often since the end of the troubles and it's a lovely place to visit. You see, this is the point. And, and, uh, everybody is, is kind of relaxed and, and, and uh. So huge we, step forward, certainly on that front. I think we're in a lot yeah. better shape than we were 10 years ago. Yes. You know, yeah, there's no doubt yes, about that. Agreed, and I think agreed, Ireland, yeah. look, we all love our country. We're all very proud of Irishmen, the three of us. Yeah. And, you know, no more than you are, Jerry. And, and you know, we all love our country, but, you know, that's not to say there can't be improvements. And this is what I say. I'd give us six, maybe six and a half out of ten at the moment. And so, these are the areas we need to look at. Okay. And these are going to be the areas in the election. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's talk about the election for a moment. Um, <coughs> what, what's, your, what's your feeling, John Cairns? February, March, April, May? February 21st. Oh. And you're, you're, you're pinning your colours to the mast and that. Yeah, that's you, what I reckon, yeah. I think it'll all start unravelling next week. And we'll have it that soon. So I do, I do think so, yeah. So here's the thing. You say, right, 10 years... I mean, it's, it's Leo. Leo's got the... He's, it's his to call. He's not going to wait for Michal Martin to bring him down. Yeah. He's going to go on his terms. Okay, know? so here's the thing. You say we're in better shape. Boys are saying it there mm-hmm. from, you mm-hmm. know, when you look at the state papers, Paul, which you've looked at as well, and the troubles and that, and we've come a long way from even 10 years ago, the crash and the economy's back in its feet. Finnegan, this government have come in and mopped up the mess and stabilised the whole show. Fianna Fáil were there before them. You know, there are memories of what happened with the crash and that as well. And, you know, you have that. Well, that was the job. That's what they were elected to do. Mm. 
you know, and if they think they're going to get plaudits for that, they're very foolish. Because people say, right, you've done that job, all right, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> and people are looking at them. I mean, one of the, one of the, you know, the saddest page ones that we did this year, and, and to be honest, I, I, I wasn't really involved in it. I, I, was, I was away in Spain, I think, that week. Was, there was a picture of a child eating his dinner, homeless child, yes, off cardboard sad. boxing, whatever it was in Dublin, yeah. and we wiped it out. And you know, that's a shocking image of Ireland in this day and age. And I think I think most people out there like me feel like me and Jean, you know, uh, we feel angered about it. We all feel angry and ashamed. We really do that this is going on, you know, and we want to see it sorted out. And while, yeah, they sorted out the mess that was left there, you know, the mess, you know, the, all the damage, economic damage that was caused by the banks. And let's face it, it was all caused by the banks. And I don't think did one person go to jail. Like that's the that's not, the bit that's the right joke altogether. But I, we won't even go there because I lose no. the rag altogether. But you know, but so we're going to have an election. I think it'll be around the twenty fourth of February. Uh, I think it's a Friday, the twenty fourth. Uh, that's what I'd be predicting. Uh, it may go on. I don't think it'll be after Easter. I think it's going to be before then. And I think it'll really. You can already see uh, the the battles already starting. The nastiness starting to creep in. The daggers are already starting to come out between Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, as if all bets are off. So that's it. That's what I'd be reckoning. Anyway, on. don't go anywhere. Short break, late lunch. John Kieran's could lose his rag between now and three. Not to be missed. Stay with us on the show. If you'd like to join in the conversation with our three wise men this afternoon, John Kieran's, Paul Murphy, and Jean McKenney, you're welcome to do so. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. You can call in at 1850 Jean McKenna, I'll bounce the ball over to you. You heard what John Kieran said there a moment ago. He expects the February election. Yeah. And we're talking about who is going to be who in the new line-up. What, what's your gut feeling? Will, will Fine Gael be returned in, in another coalition arrangement? Will Fine Fall be forgiven? Yeah. For well, look, at the moment it's neck and neck. And I mean, it's e- the easy thing to say is to, set, is to sit on the fence and say it'll be neck and neck again. It'll be, it'll be the same uh, arrangement of um, Fine, Fine Gael propping up Fine Fall or Fine Fall propping up Fine Gael. I don't think that'll happen. I think there will be kind of a clear-cut thing this time. I have a feeling that Fine Fall turn has come again. I think Michal Martin has worked very hard to try and get rid of the old image. Now he was in the in the cabinet when the crash came and all that kind of thing and accept all that. I think he has worked very hard to try and root out any problems in the party and I think he's going to be the he, one thing Michal Martin does not want is to be go down as the first Fianna Fáil leader never to be Taoiseach. He will do whatever is necessary to become Taoiseach and it will probably it'll, I think it'll I think he he'll get an, he won't get an overall majority but I think he'll be the leading party and I think when that happens the Greens or Labour I think Labour will probably come up again a bit and I think it could be Fianna Fáil and Labour again they've worked together before they broke up before in acrimony but never say never Jerry. Mr Murphy you being a, a man that knows Labour inside out <laughs> comrade <laughs> Do you see? Do you uh, concur with what Jean says? There, uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I think that the um, uh, Labour will be probably hoping to uh, collect about ten seats, mm. and that might put them into, into a good bargaining position. Then at that stage, um, I think that Fianna Fáil are. Uh, I think they're on the way back. Is my opinion. Uh, it may be that people are. It doesn't matter whether we have full employment or not. 
um, people may be just a bit fed up with the government and say, look, we, we need a bit of a change here. And Does the I, government get tired? Does the oh, government, you know, tire? You know, this is a second full term. They've been there, you know. Well, it does. I made the point here last year and uh, some people didn't agree with me, but I, I, I thought that there was a distinct lack of ministerial experience in the ranks of the government. And that's a, that's a mistake. You need a good balance of, OK, newcomers, and uh, experienced heads. Mm. And th- that was, in my opinion, it's sadly lacking. Uh, Keith has uh, just been on to say, there shouldn't be an election until we know what way Boris Johnson and the Brexit issue, oh, but oh. you could be waiting on that, couldn't oh, yeah. you? Yeah, but they're they're going to leave on the 34th of January. And that's so it. That's it. Yeah. Then it's they're over done. to the EU, Phil Hogan and all the rest of them in Brussels, and they're going to negotiate the trade deal. However yeah. long that takes, it. would it, would <clears throat> a government uh, made of you know uh, say Fianna Fáil, uh, the Greens, and Labour be a better arrangement than the present one, where you know independence and independent alliance are in there, John? What's your feeling on that? I think it's six and one half dozen of the other. You know, people who are in government or government. Like, you know, there's ministers from the independent alliance. Shane Ross is there. You know, whether you agree with him or don't agree with him. Mm. You know, he's done things that he believes in. Um, yeah. Crack down on drink driving in rural Ireland, trying to make the roads safer, all that kind of stuff. That, mm. uh, in theory, most people would agree with. But in rural Ireland, mm. they still would like to be able to go around and have two points tonight or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and then... I don't think it really makes much difference. Uh, I think Labour will definitely improve than what they did the last time. I think they've only seven seats, Paul, isn't it? Mm. I'd, be, I'd reckon they'd probably get 12, actually. I'd go a bit higher than what Paul is saying. Mm. And the Greens uh, are on and, the and up. And the Greens are definitely yeah. on the up, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, the whole climate it. change thing has, yeah. yes. has changed enormously. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. People have, yeah. Yeah. Maybe some people are jumping on the bandwagon, but it's yeah. about time they did. Yeah, but I think the Greens no. will pick up a lot of transfers <coughs> in, in yeah. key marginal constituencies right across the country, <coughs> especially the five-seers. While we're on that, and just let's run through this quickly, Uh, the Loud constituency at the moment, Declan Brannock for Fianna Fáil, Fergus O'Dowd and Peter Fitzpatrick, who's now an independent, uh, was elected as Fine Gael, uh, Imelda Munster and Gerry Adams. Adams ain't going to run again. What what do you reckon, Loud-wise? Well, there's going to be one change for certain. Yeah, well, there's at least going to be one change, as you say. I think Fianna Fáil have a good chance of getting a seat there. Got two seats, sorry. I mean, another one along with the, along with their president man, Declan Brown. I think they have a great chance of getting that. If but he, the problem has been in Fianna Fáil, and whether it's deliberate or what, there's a big debate about this. They've never <coughs> selected a candidate in the south of the constituency, John Cairns, you know this well, yeah. that can pull the vote. Yeah, but uh, they run in Tommy Bourne's um, son, the lad that was just elected, James, yes. isn't it? Yes. He was just yeah. elected in the local election. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, <coughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what it is they'll. I'd be more inclined to think that if there's anyone who's going to win a seat this time round, I'd expect I'd be very surprised if Jed Nash um, didn't get re-elected. To mm. be perfectly honest, mm. Labour senator, I think Labour, I have a great chance now of, of getting of that picking seat. up a seat. Of there. picking up that seat. Will back. Sinn Fein hold too? That's the big question mark, isn't it? You know, well, I wouldn't think so. The, that, I, wouldn't I, think I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought so because uh, okay, Adams is going. Um, the 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 um, the person they have uh, chosen in Dundalk to replace him is at this stage very, very low profile. Um, Sinn Féin has suffered loss of seats in the local elections. Now, whether they can climb back from that, they may. They may climb back from that. Who who knows? I think think Sinn Féin have have, have suffered from the continual refusal to go into government 
uh, in the Republic <coughs> over the last you know 10, 20 years and, in the north. and then also the failure in the North, in the, north yeah. the fact that we've had you know uh, no, no, no assembly in Northern Ireland for the last three years yeah. because of the continual bitching between the DUP and Sinn Féin yeah. I think that's definitely worked against them now whether that's going to get resolved in the next 48, you wouldn't, 56 you hours you, you, we'll have to wait to see you, you wouldn't realise the depth I, I mean I have friends in the North you wouldn't realise the depth of frustration among the ordinary voters Yes, they, they, you know they haven't got big people to run the. And bloody, that's understandable, isn't it? Place, but John, you, you know? did say there that they they haven't gone into government, but they haven't mm-hmm. been. No one will coalesce with them in the Republic of Ireland. Fine Gael have said already they're not going in with them. Fianna Fáil said they won't go oh, into government with them. Yeah, but that's that's that <laughs> that's was now. That was then. <laughs> now is a different situation. Now we see what happens when they, whatever politics, no way the numbers. Politics is a numbers game. It is a numbers if, game. If, it, if yeah. they add up. They will go into with each other. Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you, if Fianna Fáil needs, if, if Micheál Martin <coughs> needs Sinn Féin to become Taoiseach or to become the first Fianna Fáil yeah. leader not to become Taoiseach, are you telling me he's going to walk away from it? No. Yeah. Just quickly on me, then I know, Paul, you're quite familiar with it. In me, these Thomas Bourne, Regina Doherty, Helen McEntee, as you yeah. were. More or less as you were. Um, it'd be interesting enough to see whether... Um, Sinn Féin's uh, Darren O'Rourke Councillor Darren O'Rourke yeah. will make a breakthrough there I don't know it's hard to know and it'll be interesting to see if Helen McEntee's high profile in the European portfolio yeah. will help her in the election generally does she's making she's made a very good a good mark out uh, in, in Europe well I have to say uh, she is the one person in uh, Fine Gael that I've really been impressed with is Helen McEntee I thought she was outstanding on the way she's handled herself throughout the whole yeah. Brexit uh, process and I pers- I would see her as a future leader of Fine Gael really of that, I would yeah there you go I think she's excellent huh? I don't know the, I've never met her but <laughs> yeah. looking at how she's performed I think she's done brilliantly as a minister for Europe no no in, in Midwest it's a little a little more interesting because the sitting TDs are Shane Castles who after years made it to the doll uh, yeah. as a, a Fianna Fáil TD you've Junior Minister Damien English there as well and Pader Tobin this is the interesting one yeah. now on his own yeah. with, a, with his own party what do you think Gina well, on that one? Um, I think he still has a chance of getting a seat because he's a great uh, personal vote over there I think and there's a lot of people who will vote for him anyway so I, I think he could le- nearly stay the same in Mead in Westmead yeah, well, in Westmead Mead West Mead West I have um, some doubts around this uh, I feel that um, uh, for instance um, Sinn Féin had lined up uh, Sinead Burke to run as their candidate she lost her seat in the local yep. election and now it's Johnny Gwerk mm. who's is running in Mead West now ok he's in Oldcastle uh, in the North Mead, mm. so whatever votes he'll, he'll that's a, that's a well-known Sinn Féin territory, yeah. North Mead. And in addition to that, there's part of West Mead in the constituency, so he may may get some votes over there. Um, the, the problem I see is that 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 Sinn Féin voters are uh, traditionally very uh, disciplined voters, and I don't know whether uh, Pader Tobin will hold on to. Say yes. the Sinn Féin element of the vote. Isn't that the intrigue that's yeah. coming our yeah. way that we all love? Interesting. It's going to be really interesting. And then in Fine Gael, you, you, you know, you have an interesting enough scenario where you have Damien English. Yep. He's a minister. He's sitting. He's sitting. Um, you also have uh, Sarah Riley. Will he suffer because of his failure as junior minister for housing? I don't think it attached to him. It'll be attached more to more to Owen Murphy, Murphy. than mm. than anybody. Yeah, else. but he's been out there a lot trying to defend. He has. He has. Yes, he has. He has. And he's another one who's done a terrible job, in my opinion, mm, as but junior a, minister. But there's a bit of a dogfight there because it's interesting enough that uh, that 
two other people on the ticket are sitting councillors. That's mm. Sarah Riley yes. and Noel French. Who had an outstanding vote in the local elections. Well, I, I was writing after the, in the Meat Chronicle after their local election <coughs> and um, I said that he, he they actually had to had to weigh his votes rather than count them because <laughs> he had over double the, double yeah. the quota. There you go. You know, that's, that's not a bad start. To, it's uh, not. Uh, the, it's but the not. question is whether he can break out of trim his own area. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Into, there's, an, there's an interesting overall scenario here where uh, John and Paul are talking about Helen McEntee and how well she's done on the North and uh, Foreign Affairs and that. The other thing is that Simon Coveney has done so well there. I think nobody will say that he's done a bad job in Brexit. No. Mm. Very no, good. No, brilliant job. And yeah. to, so much so that I gather on the grapevine that a lot of people in Fine Gael are now thinking, did we make the right choice? Oh! oh. Politics, politics, yes. politics. There's it's rumblings, there's little rumblings there. Nothing comes to the surface around that, but I think yeah. a lot of people are just thinking that. Mm. Plus the fact that he wouldn't be known, Leo Varadka wouldn't be known as the you know, the best glad hander in the world. Mm. He's not a Bertie Hearn and he's not uh, an Enda Kenny. He hasn't shaken hands with everybody in the country like Bertie did. No. <laughs> and he, I don't think he has that kind of uh, rubber, outlook. Rubber chicken. I'll yeah. tell you, there's a lot of people yeah. who washed their hands since ah, then. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, let's head to a break on late lunch. The boys are staying with us. And next up, it's the Football Association of Ireland. Now, let's move on with the boys this afternoon. I'm just thinking about, and, and John mentioned it, I think, earlier on, the banks and Anglo-Irish at the, the crash over 10 years ago. We've had the charity sector scandals with the salaries and more there. The Olympic Council of Ireland and Mr Hickey. And the latest in little old good Ireland, the country we all love and are proud of, is the Football Association of Ireland. And Mr Gene McKenna has a particular interest. He's a football lover. He's a Madrahody United fan. What do you make of this absolute oh, debacle? It's a disaster for football in Ireland. There's no question about that. I mean, I know they've give, the government has given some money for coaching and things like that already in the last couple of weeks. And there's a meeting coming up, I think, next week at, uh, with UEFA. They have to do something. UEFA has, is rotten with money and they have to do something for it. Can't all be left to the taxpayer here to bail them out. Will the government contribute something to they, this? They will contribute something. I get the vibe that they will contribute something, but I think it'll be a lot, lot less than 18 million. That's for sure. The FAI issued an that. apology. You heard this the yeah, other yeah. day. Uh, they became contrite at, mm. at, at long last and yeah. issued this apology. Yeah. All the people who've been there sitting on that board around John Delaney for years and the delegates who've gone to the successive AGMs... And, and never asked a question. You know, there's never a, asked a question. There's a lot of people. And the journalists were not allowed to ask questions. No. At, at the, the, the delegates weren't allowed to ask questions. No, that's what I'm saying. And the journalists. The delegates weren't allowed. Yes. They had to put because in a question there was a fiefdom, in advance for it to be As somebody cleared. called it, something government called it, it was a fiefdom. It was run as a fiefdom. And that's what happened. And every, people didn't know what was going on. And I genuinely believe that a lot of those guys who weren't there, who should have known what was going on, didn't know what was going on because they were kept at arm's length from it. I think the tragedy of this whole thing is on the field, we still have a chance of getting to the the Euros where, where we'll have four matches here I think and that also, it's also a time where we have never had such a wealth of young talent coming up in the under 21 team under Stephen Kenny who will be taking over as the national team manager as soon as Mick McCarthy's involvement in the Euros yes. is gone mm. you have young lads here one of them is in the last few days a fellow called Jason Knight there's no for that name in the next year or so he's playing for Derby County he scored two goals the other night and he probably he's on telly tonight he'll be playing probably alongside 
Wayne Rooney, who's playing his first match for Derby County mm. tonight. That's a match to look out for. So you're saying so, there's a lot of good things have happened on yeah. the ground with, you know, and, and, and it, it, children and young boys and girls yeah. will suffer with yeah. this funding being held back. That, the development, the international team, we won't talk about the League of Ireland, That's a, we'd be here till Christmas if we started them, but they have to sort out the matters yeah. as well. But here's the thing, can I ask you this, John, first, and I'll come to you second, Paul. How has it come to this? Like, how has it come to 70 million, you know what I mean, of a hole in a football association? <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's really a repetition of what happens in the banks. There wasn't proper accounting, auditing. A bit like um, how Anglo-Irish Bank was run. It was run like a nearly a personal family feastum. And that's how John Delaney ran it. Like him. On a personal level, I know John Delaney. I've been in this company. Very charming guy. You know, but I was absolutely shocked, but not wholly surprised. When you've got somebody who won't let delegates ask questions at an AGM, you know, people's antenna should be up straight away. Yeah. And when he doesn't want journalists there, and then when journalists started asking questions that he didn't like, he then wanted them banned, or he did, he banned them from, from the meeting. Sure, Des Cahill was banned for years from the buddy, I feel. Yeah, okay. for, you know, for asking the questions. Yeah. So... It was run like a family business. John had control of the till, and that's what happened. And nobody else really knew what was going on. And it was nearly like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Now, I have a completely different view to my great pal here, Mr McKenna. I believe the taxpayers' money should be invested in football in this country and in the FEI. Because I think there's a lot of good people. Paul Cook, who's come in to try and sort it out, is a great guy. He didn't create any of this. He's a decent bloke. He's a good accountant. If they'd half a brain, they shouldn't make him chief executive. He's a really, really good guy and knows what he's at. And he's on tour nearly everything that's going on there. I think Shane Ross has done a great job. Everyone would be astonished maybe for me saying that because he's portrayed as a bit of a clown. But uh, Shane Ross has played a blinder when it's come to the FAI. Has done, by the way, Fergus O'Dowd. Did a brilliant job on the sports committee. Give credit where it's due. Did an outstanding job. I think when you see what we've wasted taxpayers' money on in this country, I think the least we can do is prop up the FEI, invest money in it with new structures, with independent directors, right? And and when you see we're spending two billion on a children's hospital that was supposed to only cost about four or five hundred million, I think football is really important. You know, from the ground up, we need to get it back in an evil keel. It needs to be properly financed. And when you also look at the amount of taxpayers' money that went into the GAA. Right, John. There's, I agree to, to a certain extent, but point I make the point I was making. I didn't say that they shouldn't give any money to you. No, no. I, you I know, said I know they you, shouldn't give eighteen million. Million, yeah. No, well, no, I believe think, they should. You think and that might be a small amount, but I yeah, still think it's a yeah. big amount. But there is also another point here, and that is, it's a, there's a lesson here for all organisations, private, uh, public, uh, uh, non-government, voluntary. You've got to have proper governance operating within, and you need your directors to be very strong in that and that has been missing in so many aspects of Irish life for God's sake we can go back and it keeps happening why does it keep happening because some people get control of the levers and say oh this is mine and I'll run this the way I want to run it but also Paul disaster the other thing as well is like we would have all suspected what was going on as journalists in the FEI for the last 10 years but we couldn't write about it because of the defamation laws yeah so and it's only because of of Shane Ross that this has all come out really to be honest and and, 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 and one or two times. will Sunday time times. yeah with yeah. a whistleblower yeah. from the yeah. inside yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shane Ross yeah. and the, but you know this was because of the whistleblower who yeah. you know and the Sunday Times got their information but most publications you know couldn't have done we couldn't we all knew about it, but nobody could write about it because of defamation laws which are anti press in this country and because Delaney at any term was thrown in writs.
you know. And, and, and d- does that need looking at urgently? We need serious changes in the defamation laws. As, as an industry, we've been lobbying the government for the last couple of years. You know, so pa- far to Paul, no Let me come back on and continue on this line because you mentioned and we mentioned the squandering of money. John, two billion for the children's hospital that started off at what five hundred million or something. Yeah. The bloody printer debacle in the doll recently. Oh. You know what I mean? You have Dara Murphy. Finnegale won't want to hear the name Murphy between no. Verona and no. Dara. It's no. not a great name for Finnegale. Um, <laughs> but I see, I see it's come up in the papers again where the ministers are now starting to talk about making the higher civil service accountable, right? Uh, you know what happened in the past. If the civil service made a, made a mistake, the minister had to carry the can. But now uh, there's some talk about, you know, uh, reforming that system. And we can all see it in the... We can see it in the... Uh, who the hell made the decision to buy that bloody printer when they said, we can't get into the building? It's, it's madness. In any private company... That mm. person who made the decision would have been fired. Let me ask Simple. you this. Expenses. Should all expenses be vouched? Correct. Yes. yes. Correct. Across the board. Yes. No, across the board. no. End of Everyone. story. They were Absolutely. supposed to be. They were supposed to be. Yeah. They mustn't have started yet, but they were supposed to be. They haven't started them yet. No. Some, some expenses are vouched, but yeah. all Oroctus expenses should be vouched. Can- There's no respect for taxpayers' money. That's the problem. Yeah. No. And, and just coming back to the FAI for a minute, how culpable are the auditors? You know, they, they say they didn't get the information. The information no, they have a lot of questions to answer. There's no question about that. I mean, they should be, they should be brought before the Oireachtas Committee and asked these questions Absolutely. about why did, you not, why did you not see this for well, so many years? It's not the first time that, you know, highly respected no, we auditors have, the banks, have, been, have, the banks have let themselves down. Yeah. And, you know, when you think of it, even the Saudi Arabians coming down with money would build a hospital far cheaper than the one we're getting, mm. the children's mm. hospital. Mm. It's, 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 but will it ever change, lads? Yeah, but it's in the worst place in the country. Like, if people should go up, up by St. James's, yeah. make a big hole in the ground. Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. worst place in the country. It's absolute yeah. madness that's being yeah. built there. But come, yeah. back yeah. To the, come back to the point of the squandering of mm. public mm. money, the misuse of it, you yeah. name it, the mm. scandals, I've mentioned a number of them yeah. there. Is it ever going to change? Or is this just part of life in Ireland? I think it's part of life, but I, I think we're on a, on a bit of a crusade because one by one all these institutions are getting caught yeah. are coming down and I think there's a few more institutions that fall in the house of cards yet before it's before we're gone but we have mm. been whether people like it or not we have been a seriously corrupt country yes it's shocking to say that it's, yeah. sh- and it's shocking for people listening how, today who yeah. are honest and trying to earn exactly. a living and that's the point I was making earlier yep. you know the, the, the poor people looking at this carry on going on and saying how the hell this is all people who have money and yet they're so greedy that they want more. Because people yeah. wouldn't do you a penny. They account yeah, for everything. Exactly. They wouldn't owe anybody money. Exactly. They'd worry about it. Yeah. And look at this. No, I was, reading, I was reading this morning before I came out, I was researching about the, uh, the pyrite in schools. Yeah, nobody, nobody, it's gone off the, the, mm-hmm. the headlines, but it's in the background. I'm looking at the, an enormous list of schools listed last year as been suffering from pyrite, some of them having to be closed, yeah. and then huge amounts of taxpayers' money being spent uh, remediating them. Yes. On the, on the sporting front, John Cairns is smiling from ear to ear, his beloved Liverpool at Champions of Europe, and the <laughs> bookies are paying out this week on the Premier League. It's all over.
It's not over yet. <laughs> I knew he'd say it. I knew he'd say it. All oh, Liverpool don't, fans say that. Don't be trying to con the yet. rest of it's us. It's not over till it's over. It's John, over. look, John, we told it was all over against me. Then what? In the Leinster final. Well, I tell you, ten, ten years ago this July, John. Yeah, ten years ago yeah. this July. I know. Yeah. We'll still never oh, forgive Joe. That was the famous goal, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mister Sludden. That was never forget his Martin name. The referee. Yeah, yeah from Tyrone. From Tyrone. I remember I sent a reporter up to and photographer up to. Doorstep the next day, and he went into hiding. Yeah, so I was furious. I was around in his room like a madman. Yeah. <laughs> but the, point, the point about Rob, uh, Liverpool is, Jerry, that as I was saying to, to John earlier, they have to lose five games, mm. and they haven't lost a game for over 50, ah, no. fifty. And the others have to win all their games. I just so hope it's not going to happen. I hope John. they're beaten once. I don't Celebrate want them to John. take away the happen. title from Arsenal of the. Uh, the team that went the through the league the yeah. Invincibles I don't want Liverpool to that. I wish them well and they win the league but I hope somebody just somebody will, will beat them in one game anyway the Dubs win five history made oh, bored bored <laughs> John Cairns is bored by the Dubs and everyone else in the country is congratulating yeah, yeah, yeah. them what about Shane Lowry and the golf another major winner the, for this little best, country yeah. that was the best event of the what? year that I think you know, sporting yeah. or otherwise I mean there was a, a documentary on him the other night and it was very very good if yeah, you get a chance yeah. just watch it very, he's an ordinary very, guy. Yeah. Very, an ordinary a joke. very ordinary guy. Yes. Is right. And uh, uh, you know, uh, to win it know. in Port Rush. Yeah, that was the yes. Was the on the cake. really yeah. sweet from it. Really was. Yeah. Uh, also, we must mention the Irish women's hockey team, Paul, yeah. who, yes. who who had the great year and qualified for yeah. for the Olympics. Yeah. Will we stay away from rugby? It's a bit painful. Yeah. Yeah. We're very disappointed. What about Lead? What about loud meat? Yeah. Where are we going? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> anyway, right. I just put in a word here for the Blues who got three in a row Absolutely. again. Absolutely, ten Blues yeah. and Smiley Phillips, manager. Yes, yeah. he's retired after three winning it as a manager three Dundalk in a row. Fantastic achievement! Again, yeah. again. Yeah. winning yeah. the league again Fair with the new yeah. manager Vinnie yeah. Perth as Brilliant, well. Yeah. Fantastic achievement! Lots to celebrate in the northeast as well in yeah. Yeah. in terms of sport and nationally. Well, We're heading one, to our one. final break. Hold on a second, lads. We'll come back in a moment. They're mad anxious to talk to you. They're here till yeah. three o'clock. Yes, <laughs> they are our three wise men: John Kieran's, Paul Murphy, and Jean McKennis. You were late lunch on LMFM Radio, the first late lunch of the new decade, and. Talk about eminent guests on the show today. John Cairns, Paul Murphy and Jean McKenna are here and they're sorting out uh, the woes of Ireland and the world. John Cairns, uh, let's go out of the country for a few moments. Uh, Donald Trump, loathed and loved. Well, it looks like loved in more measure than loathed. He's being impeached. But here's the irony. It seems he'll be re-elected. He will be re-elected. Trump will be re-elected. You mark my word. As much as we all hate him here... People have a different view in the States. It's a bit like Boris Johnson. You know, we're all wondering, how did he get a landslide? And why is it? Is it because of the economy? It's all about the economy. In America. Yeah, well, my brother-in-law lives in Boston, and he was home here several weeks ago. And uh, he said, Trump would be re-elected, no problem. The economy is booming. There's jobs for everyone. That's all that matters. People couldn't care less about the impeachment. Just don't care. They just see it all as internal politics. There's been no partisan... Uh, politics in America for the last 10, 15, 15 years. So nobody believes what the other side said. You make up your own mind. According to him, uh, and various other people I speak to who aren't, you know, Democrats, who are middle-of-the-road voters, it's all about the economy. The economy, whether Trump is getting the credit for it, it might have nothing to do with him, <laughs> you know, but the economy is moving, there's jobs for everybody, and that's all that matters. 
Yeah. Is it because, uh, Paul, the Democrats really, yeah. <laughs> they don't have, they don't seem to have somebody who race, can take them on? Not the races, no. 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 And uh, I don't know whether Biden can, can do this, you know. Um, we don't want to be ageist. We're not going to be ageist. But Biden is getting on. Mm. I don't know how he'll appeal to younger voters. No. They haven't got anybody who's set the world on fire, that's for sure. Uh, the one thing that concerns me, I've been reading over the Christmas, that I'd be concerned about the return of Trump in terms of world peace. I think he's so unpredictable, <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, at one stage when the North, uh, the North Korean leader was threatening all kinds of things, uh, Trump was saying, we'll take our troops out of South Korea. And luckily for us, General Mattis, who's an advisor in the White House, said, don't do that. If you do that, uh, North Korea will take that, that you're going to make a strike against them. Yes. So this man is terribly unpredictable. Mm. And he doesn't have proper people in there advising him as a restraining hand on him. So uh, he'll be completely what? lose cannon now, won't he? Yeah. If he's re-elected. And that volatili- yeah. volatility <coughs> gene is, is a oh, real yeah. worry for the world. Yeah, I mean, as people, Paul are, said. people were saying when he was going in that the grown ups in the White House would look after him and that they would mm. put him on the right track. But yeah. most of the grown ups are gone now because he got rid of them all. Absolutely. There must, be, there must be close to 50 people that he's got rid of. Mm. Mm. Must be he close he, he doesn't like this wee uh, Scandinavian girl, Greta Thunberg. No, and and like there's her. a name that 12 months ago, if you'd mentioned it, yeah. we'd say, Who? Exactly. Look what that wee. Mm. Girl has just, just shows the, the power of positivity on, on even a young person's part. And social media. And social media. Yeah. That's where the campaign has been. And every time she appears somewhere, she gets more and more followers. It's incredible. Mm. But I, I would fear about Trump that he, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get climate change. He doesn't get any Not of that stuff. You know? doesn't seem and I would fear as well. Like John, well, John didn't say use the word fear, but I would fear that he'd be re-elected. Mm. I would be very fearful, yeah. and as Paul said. Plus, here's one fear. How do you know that Trump is telling lies? When he opens his mouth. <laughs> Put Boris Johnson in there too. <laughs> Boris could be included as well. Oh, yeah. at times you just wonder about the world, don't you? But uh, coming back to the to the climate agenda, and that's your leaders are a bit more sane than this. <laughs> yeah. What about the whole climate thing? And uh, do you guys get this climate thing? Do you believe that this world is heating up and that Definitely. doomsday is imminent for our children and children's children? Yes, I agree. I agree. But uh, you take it. We want to make any changes. See. Uh, if, if you ask people, uh, do you want change? Yes, I want change. But do you want to make the change? Uh, well, that's a different ball game. Um, and will you pay for it? And will you yeah. pay for it? That's correct. That's correct. Now, last year there were only uh, something like two and a half, three thousand electric cars sold in Ireland, and there's hopes that we'll reach the um, one million. Now, when will we'll be? We really will be old men by the time that arrives. <laughs> Live horse and you eat grass, yeah. That's it. Yes. But we mm. should be making way. We should I mean, put the same by 2030, but it won't happen by All you have to do is sit in any of these towns in Loudoun Mead yeah. uh, and you're in a traffic jam and the fumes coming out are absolutely unbelievable. There are places in the world, this is the point we need to look at, uh, there are places in the world where people can't even breathe properly. You know, in, in India, in places where you have mm. mass industry going mm. going strongly and then... I mean, I'm looking at a picture it, it, only this morning in the paper uh, in the Yamuna River in India. And these women were doing a kind of a sacred uh, bathing in, in the river, three women. And there was foam all around them. And it was from noxious chemicals into the river. 
Isn't that true? So that's what we're all shocking. living with. Shocking. Um, just, just while you're with me, all three former newspaper men, and I don't want time to be here, but just in a word, I mentioned that word social media, and like it is where life is now for mm-hmm. so many people living on these yeah. things, mm-hmm. children and everything. Yeah. Is there a future for the, I say it to you again, I think I asked you before, for the print, for the written word, for good journalism, for newspapers? Absolutely. You know, yes. look, I mean, we have a massive um, social media business ourselves. You know, we, mm. we've, we've, we've got five websites in Ireland. At the moment, we're probably going to grow more, you know, between Irishmere.e, Belfast Live, Dublin Live. Started a new website last June, Cork, you know, for Cork City and County. So we're breaking this, and we've RSVP Live as well. You know, we've a huge amount of, of uh, followers on, on social media, particularly on Facebook and, and, uh, and on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. You know, so we're spreading our news stories and our news message right across all these uh, all these uh, platforms. We're actually probably have we've now got the biggest audience we've ever had. We've 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 got more people now reading our stories than they ever did. So, and we're hitting bigger bigger audiences uh, all the time. And are you able to monetize? Absolutely. That? That's was the key. Yeah, yeah, but we, you know, like we're, we're very lucky in, in Ireland. We got ahead of the game, so we got a, an audience of scale. You know, so we we run a very very profitable business on the back of our digital success. You know, and that's why our share price at the moment we're about to make that turn in Britain. That's why our share price in Britain of reach PLC has gone through the roof over the last few weeks because what we're making it whereby the digital revenue is now about. We've already done it here in Ireland, but it's replacing the fall in print revenue, and you're back into growth. Mm. Don't ever say to me I won't be able to pick up a newspaper and read it. You will. I think there'll always be papers. Always. There won't, exactly. there won't be as many. There won't be as many. I'd agree with that. There won't be as many. But, like, you know, and, and you can see that, like, Financial Times have, uh, have secured their future. You can see the New York Times, you know. We're about to do that ourselves. So yeah. different media businesses you know, are, are looking for the solution that suits them. I don't want time to beat us because you yeah. all want to mention something in your own way. You want to mention the Holy Family Boxing Club. Yes. Paul? The, the Holy Family Boxing Club is celebrating 40 years in existence this year. And I believe that on the 18th of January, they're having a special contest, uh, an Irish selection and an English selection in the Trinity Quarter. In Lovely. Trinity Street. Yes. So I'll be looking forward to going. Well to that. worth mentioning to all the guys who've done a great job there yeah. over the years. Yeah. The Alzheimer's you're involved with, yeah, uh, Gene, and the I provision am. of a of a new home. You, you it's, it's, edging, it's edging. It's closer. It's getting closer. All right. I would look. The target was a million, just just short of a million. We've got six hundred and fifty thousand in the bank. We're hoping for a couple of hundred thousand from the Loud Leader, which will bring us down to about 150,000. If, if we get to the stage where we only need 150,000, I say only, it's a, the longest mile is the last mile home yes. and all that. But we'll be confident we could do it this year. This year. We're losing our premises around the middle to the end of the year because the lease is up. The one on the Dano Road there, just beside Little. So we need to get it done this year. We need to get the shovels in this year, certainly. I meant to show that we're on the way. So, so if you can help us support help, the push in Drogheda for the new Alzheimer's Centre, they're always yeah. there to talk to you and, and will welcome and you. And thanks help. for your help, Jerry, oh, as well on that. Over not the years. at all. We appreciate it. No, and, and that's what we're here for in LMFM yeah. to help people like yourself. John. Two people uh, you want to talk about just before we finish. And we've no, lost great people this year across Louth and Mead. I, I just think two, two of the people we lost with Drogheda this year did tremendous work for, for the town was uh, Malika McCluskey 
Lord of Mary Stone and Vincent Hoy, who were two great, you know, Vincent was a lawyer, great, and huge investor in Drogheda United, as we all know. Uh, very proud of the town, was involved in various businesses. Maliki built up his, from the Honey Factory in Mel, ended up with, you know, various, I think he's about, I don't know how many factories he had before he died, you know, but he employed a hell of a lot of people in Drogheda over the years. And uh, they were two very, very proud Drogheda men, and both very, very successful, and both loved Drogheda. You, know. you went to work for Maliki when you were um, in short <laughs> I was pants, 12. I believe. I was yeah? 12. <laughs> and my job was to put the glasses on onto the machine. I got the best education I ever got. In fact, and I'd, I'd, he'd often ring me uh, and I'd go and meet him for uh, for breakfast, well, for coffee and scones in his boardroom about once a year or once every two years. He'd ring me out of the blue and he'd always tell me that all my success was down to him because he hardened me up when I was a club. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you as the last word. I... I came to know much more from I started presenting this show and his support for the art and his love of the arts was remarkable and I had the pleasure he took me to see his wonderful uh, Battle of the Boyne co- collection that he had and it was a marvellous experience for me and he was a wonderful man he really was a wonderful man and we remember uh, the late great Maliki McCluskey and Vincent Hoy Could I just say afternoon. one quick word about Vincent I mean nobody will ever know what Vincent Hoy did for Drada mm, and absolutely. for Drada United in particular mm, mm. I said that to his daughter Roisin on the day that he was buried Nobody will ever know. Absolutely. Let's leave it at that for today, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me. Happy New Year and health and happiness to you all again and, and success in the new year. Thanks a million to John Cairns, Paul Murphy and Jean McKenna. Liz Valour's book is going to Anne Tennyson in Kilkerley this afternoon. County Mead, Liz, is from. Thanks to everybody who got in touch. You love the book, I promise you. And hey, Louise, what about the Pope? What do you think? Should he be ousted, as people are calling uh, for? Oh, not at all. Wasn't the man right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. For I looked people who it. don't realise oh. what we're talking about. Come it's on. about the slap, isn't it, Jerry? Yeah, well, this lady grabbed the Pope, literally, didn't she? Yeah. And pulled him towards her. Yeah, it looks as, as if he was actually in pain, the way she pulled yeah, him. Yeah, she grabbed hold of him. And I know people get excited when he's about, but come on. And he gave her a little tap then, so he did it. She's, he slapped her twice. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> The, the boss that's the boss giving you a little rec- retribution there a little rebuke rebuke is the word I'm like but look at he's human as well the man how many hands does he shake and people he says hello to every single day of his life but it was a little bit over the top wasn't it and the things that people so. latch on to look and in that split second he must have been yeah. afraid as well yeah, with all the assassination yeah, attempts yeah, and yeah, you know yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. listen I think it's gone a bit OTT. He's human like the rest of us and he reacted and he's entitled to react and we love Francis and that's the bottom line. He's the he's the man for sure. Uh, got a great surprise at the Christmas. I have to say, left, got a lovely gift sent to me, left it wrapped till Christmas Day and opened it up. Do you remember I told you the story about the bottle of Middleton whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> I opened Very when I had, cough when I had that shocking clue, the most expensive cough medicine <laughs> I've ever spe- I've ever, ever uh, spent money. Well, I didn't spend money in it. I got this bottle, a gift for a birthday, a significant birthday a number of years ago. And when I had the flu about six, eight weeks ago, worst dose I ever had, I'll say it again. I was looking for a drop of whiskey one night and the advice of a friend to take us up that it would help sweat it out of me. And I opened the bottle at Middleton. And, of course, the rest is history. I googled it subsequently and found out that the bottle was worth between 11 and 1400 euro. That's what that type of Middleton Did you get a relapse? <laughs> My wife did. <laughs> I've enjoyed it since and others have as well. It's a lovely whiskey and look at what you get it for. You get it to drink it as well. But lo and behold, Christmas Day, I opened this little package. It said handle with care in it. And guess what's in the package? 
Cough a medicine. bottle of Middleton, a bottle of Middleton, wow. with a lovely presentation box as well. And you know something? It was the most lovely, one of the most lovely surprises I got over the Christmas, I have to say. And I want to say thoughtful. a big thank you to Susan Callan, uh, who I'm sure was in on this from prepaid financial services, and to Nolan, Valerie, Morn, and to wish them all the very best for the new year. You made me Christmas. It was one of the loveliest things I'll always remember. I'll treasure. And guess what, Louise? Is it under lock and key? I'm not opening it for a while. <laughs> That's for sure. Did I you cert- hide it? I certainly ain't. It's still there, but it will be put away safely. And I won't resort to it at all, I promise. But Louise, our Louise, uh, Christmas morning. What a, what a gift I got from <laughs> Louise. Well, she got me several things and she's very thoughtful. But the little caravan, Louise, the father Ted. I thought I'd bring Where a bit did of the you get that? up to you. Where did you get that? I was shopping in Woody's. And I saw all the decorations and I just saw the caravan and I was kind of stuck, Jerry. You're just, you're the man who has everything like and every year I'm kind of going, what do I get him this year? So I just saw the caravan and I know you go there when you fish yeah, down in the west. Yeah. So it was a little Christmas decoration with the a caravan in the middle of a snow theme. Yeah, and we had a father, Ted, up to last year. It's no more now at this stage. I think it's a hen shed. I think the hens <laughs> in Sligo are enjoying it. But we lived in it during fishing years. It was Ken's father, Ted. It's gone now no more. But I shed a little tear. You know, that little tear ran down my face when I saw the Ted. Took pictures of it, sent it all the crew. And you made all their Christmases no. <laughs> as well, which, which, which are a lovely gift. Thanks a million, Louise. Well, on a serious note... Uh, on the 23rd of December, the day we broke up here, I was called into action. And I'm going to tell you the wee story after this short break. I want to wish Anne Blake in Navin a very happy new year today. She's a massive late lunch fan on LMFM Radio, listens every day. And Anne, lovely to hear from you today. And may you have a great 2020. Now, Louise, we finished up here on the 23rd, we which did. was Monday. And most Mondays I go and meet a friend of mine for a catch up after the weekend uh, and a pint or two. And uh, on the Monday we broke up, we met and uh, we meet in Drogheda uh, in, in a public house and uh, we usually meet, meet about half five, as you know, Louise. Half mm-hmm. five is usually the time. Tea but time. he rang me and said, can you, can you meet me a little bit earlier today? And we'll only meet for an hour and then we'll go on our, on our merry ways, which we had planned to do. And I went down at five o'clock, got a lift down from Kieran, Sarah, my daughter Sarah's partner, Kieran Flynn, and he left me at the door close enough to five, went in, and my good friend, Paddy, was there and he said, do you know CPR? And I said, I actually do. Because, just reminding listeners, on the 23rd of October, 23rd of October, the, October just gone, I was refreshed in CPR here in the studio by Mark Lynch and Pat Smith. They took me through the procedure. You remember it, Louise, as well? Do, yeah. And they yeah. brought in the, the mannequin and I did the whole thing here. Um, Little did I think, mm. eight weeks later, I'd be called into action ran to where the, the, the lad was. It was a young lad in his mid-twenties lying on the floor and everybody standing around and Louise, nobody knew what to do. Really? Nobody. Not one person? No. They had rung the emergency services and they were on their way and mm. there was a guy on the phone talking and I just jumped in and I, I, I talked to him briefly. I said, I know CPR and he said to me, can you get going there? And I got everybody would stay quiet and the lad wasn't breathing. There was no breath. Now he had a pulse. I, I just felt a pulse on the side of his neck but as I felt it... it Seconds later, that pulse fell away. So I just started CPR. And you didn't panic at all or anything? You just, instinct just I kicked just in? Just two breaths, 30 on the chest, two breaths, 30 on the chest. I think I did four or five, perhaps. And the door swung open behind me and the paramedics arrived. 
And I can tell you, it was such an experience. What a difference from working on a mannequin to actually working on a human being. But I just didn't think. I just got in there and it was just like that. I just did it. And they took over and I moved away and let them do the work. And that was it until a couple of days ago when I found out that the young man survived. Oh, fantastic. And that was a great feeling to hear that he had survived. And do you realise, like, without you, he may not have. It could have been a different outcome that you could have potentially saved his life. Well, perhaps, but I, I, I did... I did what I could do and I hope I did it to the best of my ability but I gave him CPR and I'm delighted to hear I don't know his name I don't know anything about him I know he was in his mid-twenties but I know he's alive today and mm. I'm, I'm delighted with that oh, I'll tell you you never expect to be cast into a situation like this mm. do you? You just don't in your it's life It's amazing that you were just in that place at the right time Incredible. for that man it's, it's incredible. It, it really is. And one of the men, you mentioned men who was with us on that day, is on the line. He's uh, Ambulance Officer Pat Smith. Good afternoon, Pat. Good afternoon, Jerry. You, you hear my story there. Oh, Pat, I can tell you. Uh, I say it to you again. It's one thing, you know, working with you guys here, which was fantastic. But, Pat, in the real situation, it's entirely different, isn't it? Absolutely, it is, Jerry. And, and first of all, well done, you. Uh, it's a daunting task for for anybody, if any people in the, in the general public. Um, but a little bit of training um, will get them over that. And it is a difference between a mannequin and a real person. Um, but the same principles apply. The mannequins are designed for training purposes to allow us get the feel of the rate and the depth and the overall sensation. I wanted to ask you this, because this is what I was a little unsure of. I got everybody to stay quiet. He was not breathing. There was no breath at all. His chest was uh, stopped. There was nothing around the the mouth or the nose. He had a slight pulse. Was I right to get going straight away there? Yes, you were. And that's what the the training internationally would recommend. Because unless that you're in the practice professionally of checking pulses and and, um, assessing them for their validity... You, you may mistake uh, muscular contraction or other movement for a pulse mm. and that will delay the actual compressions taking place and that's why it's important that we would go straight to compressions and then ventilations and because the, the heart uh, and the person wasn't breathing that means that there's no oxygen going to the vital organs, the brain uh, and the heart most important and what you did was actually the right thing to do with the guidance of, of my colleagues in the Emergency Operations Centre in Tala. Yeah, and, you know, why I tell this story today, it's not from my benefit. What I want to say to people is nobody in that public place knew CPR and you guys came here with a view to, you know, upping awareness and and, and encouraging people to learn and and take the week course. And that's why I'm doing this again today with you, Pat, because in a public place where you're dealing with customers or people in and out all the time, surely somebody should have training. We would like to think that somebody would have. Um, it's it's growing in numbers and in strength. Uh, it's been you know on the voluntary organisations, uh, civil defence, uh, Order Malta, Red Cross, and um, the Irish Heart Foundation is actually the best place for people to start. And the uh, Irish networks, uh, ESB, have actually given the Irish Heart Foundation some money to allow or facilitate some training in of general public. In, in groups if they contact the Irish Heart Foundation and they can get some training going there. I'll tell you when you, when I did those first uh, mouth-to-mouth uh, w- w- with this young man and when you hear the sounds, you know, within the body as you push that air through 
that's one memory will live with me for a long time. Yeah, you, that, that, that is your lotto. You've started off, the, the, you finished out the 2019 and going forward then we're, we're so delighted that you're helping us emphasise the importance of the training and getting it out there because it will save lives. Mm. And uh, uh, when your crew arrived, of course they took over, which was a, a, a great relief. Just to have a message coming to me here from Anne, and she wants to tell us that they had a very close call themselves on Christmas Day when our granddaughter choked on some sweets after dinner. So now my son and I want to learn first aid as soon as possible. So that's even good to hear that from Anne today. Yes, absolutely. And a choking event can lead to cardiac arrest because obviously then there's no air going into the body to go to the heart and the brain and the other vital organs. So initially, any sort of respiratory arrest will eventually end up in cardiac arrest. Um, And my colleagues, again, will talk people through how to relieve that situation. So it doesn't matter about age. You did say that gentleman was in his 20s. Mm. Um, It doesn't matter about age. Cardiac arrest can hit anybody at any time, any place, and it's not age determinant. Mm. Uh, And where can you go? Where is the best place, first uh, base to touch for training? Where should you go to for people listening today? Okay, so anybody with, with access to the www.irishheartfoundation.ie, that's the first place. Uh, they will always give good advice uh, on what's available locally in, in any of the counties in Ireland. After that, then, it's the voluntary organisations, Red Cross, Order of Malta, Civil Defence, etc. Uh, and then there are some groups that, through the Irish Heart Foundation, are getting training that's been paid for by the Irish networks or ESB networks. There's, they've, they've rocked up to this to allow people get trained up because they've recognised that this saves lives. Well, look, Pat, I just want to say a big thank you uh, to you and Mark Lynch, of course, who we know well on the LMFM's late launch for uh, giving me the training and the refresher two months ago because without that, I probably would have been lost as well because it was so long since I received uh, that uh, guidance again and instruction from you and I remember the day well here and isn't life ironic really that there you are, two months later, I'm called into action. Yeah, and we're we're proud of you, Jerry. It sounds like you've done a great job. You've made a difference. Uh, Probably if if CPR wasn't performed, the, the chances of a good outcome are diminishing as every minute passes. Well, listen, Pat, again, thank you to you and your colleagues. And again, I make the appeal to everybody that can learn CPR. If you don't know it already, if you haven't done it in a while, go for a refresher. Let's make that our big New Year's resolution on LMFM's late lunch this afternoon. Pat, thanks again. I'll be in touch during the year. Thank you, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Pat Smith there, ambulance officer. Yes, and all's well that ends well, and thank God uh, the outcome was good on the occasion of the 23rd of December. He was right, Jerry. You should yeah. be very proud of yourself. Oh, well, Everyone look, is. You just jump you know, in and, and you do what you do, and I'm just delighted that that young man has lived to tell the tale. A lot tale. wouldn't. I think mm. a lot, like mm. me, might have panicked or whatever. You just. Well, I, I don't know play. what it was. Just do it. And, and, and the training here was invaluable that we had a couple of months ago. I have to say that as well. So there you are, a good news story to end our first late launch back after the Christmas and the start of 2020 and uh, we leave you in the company of the great Barry White and this is for everybody listening to Late Lunch today who've listened in the past and will in the future you're our first, last and everything our Late Lunch listeners take care, see you tomorrow we got it together didn't we nobody but you and me We've got it together, baby.
Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.